0: Welcome to Faith & Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith & Family. Thank you for joining us today, and we appreciate you tuning in with us. Last week, we talked about the resurrection of the body, the central Christian hope, the great Easter message. Just like to recap a little bit of that for you as we begin today, because we're going to move on from that to some other truths about what eternal life will be like in heaven. But let's go back to the resurrection of the body. When a Westerner, and that means you and I here in the United States, in Western countries, when we hear this truth, the resurrection of the body, we have a worldview filter that strains out that truth about the body, and what's left on the other side of the filter is a perception that the resurrection is something regarding the non-material part of me. And we've inherited such a worldview that strains out the body when we talk about the resurrection, because in the worldview of the Greeks, which is our inheritance, The Greeks thought, well, the material world and things like the body were evil. The immaterial part of the world and ourselves, like the soul, is good. And they had a very hard time connecting that God will bring eternal life, not only to the soul, but to the body. And during the Easter season, all of the hymns, the scriptures, and the homilies are easily misunderstood when they hear the resurrection as pertaining to something of a non-bodily resurrection, the resurrection of a soul. You might find this hard to believe, but I did too. I have actually attended two funerals where the minister clearly mistook the resurrection of the body for the resurrection of the soul. And so don't underestimate both your children those in your catechism class those in your parish when they hear the good news of the resurrection they're thinking oh my soul will go to heaven the resurrection includes yes your soul will go to heaven but eternal life also involves the body jesus tried to make this so utterly clear i'm just gonna pick one gospel luke 24 where jesus said in verse 39 see my hands and my feet, it's I myself, handle me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And it says the disciples were disbelieving for joy. You know, they said, yeah, this is wonderful, but is it really Jesus? And is he really standing before us in a resurrected body? And then Jesus says in the next couple of verses, have you anything here to eat? And I'm sure they thought, what is going on? So they handed him a piece of broiled fish and he took and ate it before them. Okay, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 645 says of this, by means of touching and of the sharing of a meal, the risen Jesus establishes direct contact with his disciples. He invites them, In this way, to recognize that he is not a ghost, above all, to verify that the risen body in which he appeared to them is the same body that had been tortured and crucified, for it still bears the traces of the Passion. Yet, at the same time, this authentic, real body possesses the new properties of a glorified body and that's the Catechism, section 645. And remember, both the Catechism and the New Testament tell us that as Jesus was raised bodily from the dead, so our hope is that at the end of time, we also will be raised bodily from the dead. Say if I were to die today, and by God's grace, he would take me Uh, into heaven, and it's only by God's grace, my body would remain on earth while my soul departed. But at the resurrection of the body, my soul and body are reunited for all eternity. Now, some people I have found just in practical pastoral experience don't like this. Maybe They've experienced great pain or suffering or sickness, or some somebody simply is getting older and has a lot of pain to think, I don't want this body for all eternity. The glorified body does not have sickness, does not have pain, will never experience death, and it will be a perfectly glorified body. It will be a real body, but this is just my supposition here, rather than being supplied a life source by blood, it will be supplied directly by the energy of the Holy Spirit. And rather than life being mediated through blood, it'll be directly from God. That's just my guess of what is actually gonna fuel this. But you know, there's a lot of ethical implications from the resurrection of the body, and this is why this message is not an optional one for parents. Let me tell you about just a real experience I had, all by myself, driving merrily down ID5 uh, south to Atlanta from Greenville. And I saw a billboard. and the billboard had kind of a two-fold depiction on it in pictures. On the left side was basically some kind of uh, angelic existence on a cloud. And on the other side of the billboard was fire. And the Christian message was, you choose. And I'm gonna be honest with you, as I was just driving down I-85, you know, I'm happier right here, listening to some music driving south in my Honda Civic. And I don't want to spend eternity on a cloud, nor do I want to spend it in fire. If I had a choice, I would choose my Honda Civic. It's a teeny car, but do you get what I'm saying? Giving your children choice between a cloud or fire they may choose neither. Uh, Here's another cartoon I saw in some magazine. It showed someone in eternal life sitting on a cloud, and the depiction underneath the cloud was, quote, I wish I had brought a magazine, unquote. In other words, bored to tears. Now, if I'm not overly interested in going to a cloud for all eternity, just think of your kids. I can guarantee you that young people are particularly adverse to spending eternity floating on a cloud. So my suggestion, and a rather strong one at that, is that when the theology of the body is taught and it is being taught in so many places, it really needs to begin at the beginning of the Christian hope, and that is with a worldview corrective so that Catholics understand that the resurrection is the resurrection of a real new body. Now, what happens practically, ethically, morally, if you don't believe in Christ and basically just have a hope for eternal life that includes a new body, you don't have that hope. Well, you believe in your body will be annihilated. Poof, kaput, dust all over. So what's the implication ethically? Let's party now. Let's pursue pleasure in any and all forms we can think of because there's really nothing attractive hereafter. St. Paul, I've just basically paraphrased you a large section of 1 Corinthians 15, St. Paul's epistle to a Greek church, church at Corinth, who was getting their ethics haywire because they thought the resurrection was of the Spirit And not of the body. And as a result, St. Paul says we're most to be pitied if this is the only life we have to look forward to as Christians. Now, I have, while we're on the resurrection of the body, some utterly shocking news to share with you. And this news has, for whatever reason I can't quite explain, has almost entirely dropped out of the contemporary mind. Now, what I'm gonna be talking about is not just that Christians so often have a deficient view of what the resurrection really entails, but what happens to those who don't believe in Christ, who don't turn to him for forgiveness for their sins? Well, here's a big surprise john chapter 5 verses 28 and 29 and if you have something to write with without causing an automobile accident these are a couple of verses you might write down because at least i haven't heard them mentioned a whole lot here we go from the very words of jesus do not marvel at this for the hour is coming when all All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You see, if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll say, Well, Uh, you know, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to live on a cloud. It's just going to be poof, kaput when I die. No. For eternity, hell will involve your conscious mind, your soul, and not a glorified, but a resurrected body that will be tormented with physical punishment for all eternity in hell." Now, I didn't think this up. Jesus said, the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, all will come forth from the tombs. Their bodies will come out of their graves. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And just in case you think this is some kind of a fluke with a translation of the Bible, here's a second verse. Acts chapter 24 and verse 15. Having a hope in God that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. How many people living today in sin, making light of it Plowing right into it with total abandon. How many of those folks do you think, even if they had a Christian upbringing, were taught that there will be a real resurrection of the body of both the faithful and the unfaithful, the just and the unjust? And that hell, where both mind, body, and soul will be for all eternity, is not a pleasant place. Now, I realize that there's many people today that say, well, hell doesn't exist, or not many people are going there. Or if you do go there, don't really worry about it, because it's really not going to be too bad. I'm just summarizing a lot of modern theologians, okay? I think we ought to listen rather carefully to Jesus. St. Mark chapter 9, starting verse 43. Jesus said, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell to unquenchable fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye and with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched ouch saint jude verse 7 just as sodom and gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. In other words, Sodom and Gomorrah was judged with fire, and that was simply a warning. And I know people say that's some myth in Genesis, and Moses didn't write Genesis, and all that other baloney. Heed it, because that was just a warning, like a... a a traffic signal warning you of a sharp curve or something ahead. Well, that was God's warning that there's a judgment with unquenchable eternal fire. Now, what will that be like? Well, it's very hard to imagine, but here's what I thought up, and um, it's it's just a, a real crude way to try to imagine what the resurrection of the unjust will be like. Most of you have had the occasion of having burned yourself with a match, maybe trying to light a birthday cake or a candle on your table or something like that. Well, just imagine in your mind what that one match for one second or less felt like. It really hurt, didn't it? Now, imagine, not just one match for one second or less, let's imagine there were at least a hundred matches burning every portion of your body simultaneously for eternity. The direction of our culture would not be going in the same way if people heard this with regularity, those who sin in the flesh will be tormented for eternity in a very, very real body. And unconfessed mortal sins committed in the body will be eternally punished in kind with an excruciating punishment in a raised body. My advice, get to confession. Jesus is full of mercy and forgiveness. Today is the day of repentance. The woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, go and sin no more. So get to confession and sin no more. Now, somebody's listening and saying, wow, this is heavy stuff. Uh, I don't really like it, so I'm going to trick God uh, when I die. He's not getting hold of my body for all eternity in hell and this unquenchable fire. Uh-uh. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave instructions that my body is to be cremated, and then I'm going to ask that they take my ashes out in a boat and scatter all my ashes from my body all over the sea. Ha. Huh he won't be able to get me. Well, listen to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead in it. The sea gave up the dead in it. Even those bodies which have been buried and lost at sea and have decomposed as far as a scientific basis, a human observation basis. God is able to reconfigure, because unlike us, he is God, and he's capable of doing this. And the bodies of those in the sea will be raised. And death and Hades gave up the dead in them, and they were all judged by what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. There's no escaping this. There's heaven for eternity and hell for eternity. And God doesn't wish anyone to go to hell. It's by your choice and your actions. I need to just say from the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I know so often uh, Jesus is kind of presented, and the Christian faith is pre- kind of presented as something light. We wink and laugh and go along with sin. Um, you know, I'm probably in guilty of it, and many of you, if not all of you, but it's not really something light. It shouldn't be dealt with light in our own lives. And we need to be able to convey, and this isn't a truth you need to share with your children or your teens uh, every week, but they do need to know that there will be a resurrection of the body, that there will be a resurrection, a bodily resurrection of the just, and there will be a bodily resurrection of the unjust that will experience eternal torment. That's it. I didn't invent this. this in the very near future, what I just shared with you, particularly uh, relating to judgment for sins in the flesh, will be illegal. I will not be able to share these scriptures and this application to you over the air. So you have been given it pass it on to your children. The day's coming when this will not be allowed to be publicly transmitted and communicated. And even today, it's almost by simple neglect isn't communicated already. So let your teens and your young people know of this. You know, I believe many of our young people, and even grown children who have wandered away from the faith, have done so because this world seems so much more attractive and compelling than any vision of heaven they have notions of. Now, granted, if I were to die today and God would accept me into heaven, uh, uh, my body would remain on earth, my soul would go to some place that we refer to as up there, but that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about what's the eternal state like for believers after the second coming of Jesus, after the final judgment. And to really open this whole subject up, you simply need to know the answer to what appears to be a simple question that a lot of people will get wrong. The question is this, where is heaven? Now, I just said to you, you know, right now in the current state of things before the second coming, uh, heaven is the up there someplace. But how does the Catholic Church, following the Scriptures, ever so carefully define heaven? It's section 1024 and 1025 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church can open up a whole new vista, a very effective and attractive vista for young and older people thinking, gee, eternal life doesn't sound that exciting to me. And the question is, where is heaven? Section 1024 says, this perfect life with the most holy trinity is called heaven. Heaven is where God is. Section 1025, to live in heaven is to be with Christ. Did you get that? It's not clouds. It's not golden streets and all that type of thing. So you ask yourself the question, where is Jesus after the second coming, after the final judgment, and for eternity? Where is Jesus? Well, it's real clear. The second to last chapter of the Bible is very clear. Jesus comes from up their heaven to earth, and earth is, so to speak, divinized or glorified by the very presence of God on earth. And the new Jerusalem, the believers in Christ, coming down out of heaven from God. And it says, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. He'll wipe every tear away from his eyes. And then he is making a new heavens and a new earth. You see, you're supposed to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to be a joining of heaven and earth, and the hope of that new heaven and a new earth is to be with Christ, and I'm quoting now from section 1042 of the Catechism, at the end of time, after the universal judgment, the righteous will reign forever with Christ, glorified in body and soul, and the universe itself will be renewed. And there's basically going to be made a whole new glorified earth that will be paradise restored, but without sin, war, pain, sickness, death. What will be here? Well, generations of families who believed in Christ and followed him faithfully. There'll be trees, rivers, fruits, vineyards, mountains, breathtaking, pristine, natural beauty. There will be cities and nations, rulers and kings. Jesus said, if you're faithful following me, I will give you 10 cities, not 10 clouds, you see? And according to Isaiah 65, in case you're an animal lover, there's going to be all kinds of animals and they're all going to get along and not going to hurt each other or hurt people. So what's the implications of this? Our first pope, St. Peter, said in his second epistle, chapter 3, he tells us about the really, really, really big bang. And I'm not talking about the unprovable theory of something that occurred supposedly five billion years ago. I'm talking about the big bang that's in the future. He says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements the very elements of the universe will be dissolved and then he makes a new heavens and a new earth how long it could take him quite as long as a nanosecond personally i hope he stretches it out so we can watch the creation of a brand new universe with families with generations of families to be together for eternity You've been listening to episode 27 of Faith and Family Radio. Till next time, this is Steve Wood. May God bless you and your family this Easter season.